and we learned that it's crucial. You know, there, there are many accelerators out there, and it's crucial to be able to choose really the top, top ones that are the only ones that, in our experience, uh, have the ability to really impact your business. Hello and welcome to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal hosted by Blue Drop Studio co-founder Anna Rowinska and myself, Omar Juman. This podcast has one vision, and that is to educate, inform, and inspire others who are trying to build their tech brand. Tune in and listen to us chat ideation, marketing, scaling, and everything in between with up-and-coming entrepreneurs, stakeholders, and investors in tech startups across the world. We'll be diving into the details and also hearing about the journey. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. In this episode, we're speaking with Adrian, co-founder at Cheerify. Cheerify is the customer and engagement platform for restaurants, pubs and coffee shops. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Spaceship podcast. Uh, today, we're joined by Adrian from Cheerify. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Adrian. Uh, it's a pleasure to, to have a chat with you. Please give us an introduction to you know what it is you guys are up to over at Cheerify. Uh, and yourself. Thank you, Mar. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, so my name is uh, Adrian Masida. I'm one of the co-founders at Cheerify, together with my colleague Carlos. Uh, Cheerify is a company based in UK and Spain. Uh, we do CRM, uh, online ordering, and loyalty for restaurants. We are essentially the customer engagement platform for restaurants, uh, coffee shops, bar, pubs for the hospitality uh, industry. Uh, we founded uh, Cheerify, Carlos and I, uh, in 2015. Uh, that's a long while ago now. And mm. uh, there's been like several incarnations, I guess, of uh, in, uh, throughout our history of uh, Cheerify. However, the vision of the company remains the same. Uh, we thought that there was a gap in the market, uh, a gap in the uh, consumer experience, uh, when we compare what happens online with platforms like Amazon, Spotify, Google, really any of uh, the online uh, companies that are able to welcome consumers in a personalized and contextual way. However, on the other hand, uh, in the physical world of really any type of retail or hospitality venue, uh, the experience was and still is uh, you know, far away from that level of automatic personalization and, uh, and context. So uh, what we want to do with Cheerify is fix that, is bring some of that uh, online uh, personalization that we all got used to, uh, to the physical world. Uh, with time, we realized that uh, we would focus only uh, in the hospitality industry, only in restaurants, bars, coffee shops, etc. cetera. And, uh, and that's what we still do today. Yeah, awesome. Cool. So um, you mentioned that you guys initially founded in 2015. Um, so tell us a, a little bit about, you know, the ideation uh, process and, and how you guys came up with the, the idea for, for Cheerify. So Cheerify... Or its initial an, version. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. So Cheerify, as an idea, it was... Um, uh, it wasn't like a light bulb moment. Like sometimes, you know, you you uh, sort of listen in a, in a classic story, a startup story. It was really an evolution for us, uh, an evolution that we suffered through 
Uh, we went through different companies before, uh, before Cheerify, Carlos and myself. And uh, it crystallized with us uh, in 2015, deciding to uh, get going with Cheerify with this vision of bringing the beauties of online personalization uh, to the physical world. In his first incarnation, we thought, okay, uh, this is something that we need to bring to uh, high-end uh, venues, like high-end hotels, uh, high-end restaurants, and enable them with an experience that would allow them to recognize a guest the minute they walk through the door, so that they could physically go and welcome them. A little bit, a little bit like, like, like it happens in uh, Tom Cruise's Minority Report when yeah, he awesome. scans his retina and welcomes him into, into the store. Uh, and that was the first incarnation. And um, we tried that proposition with, as I said, high-end venues. Uh, we got a lot of interest as well from high-end retail, from banks. Everybody was really interested uh, in uh, you know, personalizing the experience as much as they could. However, there were uh, different problems with, with our approach. And it was really in 2016 when we found uh, we went into stage two and decided to focus on restaurants. Yeah, super interesting. I think, you know, you touched or you mentioned that you've got a, a co-founder, Carlos, and you guys have been in a variety of sort of businesses together over the years. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that and the dynamic between co-founders. So, um, you know, what sort of roles and responsibilities do you typically take on and, and what roles and responsibilities does Carlos typically take on and what's that relationship like there? That's a great question. And actually, it's a, it's a question that when I talk to people that are looking to start their own companies, uh, the co-founder question uh, is a critical one. Uh, mm. it's, uh, it's a critical one because it's, it's a difficult one to answer. Who is the, a good co-founder? Uh, who should I go into business with? I've been lucky, I have to say. Uh, I've known Carlos for like uh, nearly 20 years now. Uh, we used to work together uh, since, uh, since we left university awesome. uh, in uh, Nortel Networks and a telecoms company. And uh, so we've known each other professionally and personally for many years, which essentially meant that uh, trust is implicit. And I would say that trust is a key element uh, in a co-founder. Uh, that uh, is it's a must-have, otherwise the chances of a business going under because just a relationship between founders uh, is... Uh, uh, is there mm -hmm. and the way to measure that I find that uh, you, know, you know just talking about the personal side of the relationship is that the key um, proof that that trust and that ability to work together is there is when you are able to have conversations and uh, that complement each other but as well where you can disagree you even get angry at each other for uh, <laughs> for, for a short while but basically be able to come together again to continue moving forward. So if, there is, if you manage to have that relationship that, you know, as I said, luckily, you know, Carlos and I go back uh, a long time, uh, and it works like that where we can work together, we see eye to eye in many points, but sometimes we don't, and we can have a few agreements and we can um, push through them, taking decisions uh, every time. Uh, then uh, that's, that's, for me, the, the key test of that relationship. Now, answering your probably proper question, how we mm -hmm. do we functionally uh, divide 
uh, the uh, responsibilities. I would say at the beginning there was very little divide uh, in the sense that you know you're in a in a phase of ideation of creation, which we still are, by the way, because you know there's a constant uh, progress and reinvention of what the product should do. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, so so with time, uh, the way we grew is we grew to uh, in, a, in a way where Carlos uh, is more focused around. Uh, designing the product, you know, product strategy, and uh, I am more focused around execution uh, with customers. Even though, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, key customer relationships, both Carlos and I uh, are still, uh, you know, at, at the helm of things. Uh, Carlos based in Spain with the Spanish market, uh, and myself here in the UK with the UK market. Incredible. Um, yeah, that's that's a brilliant insight into sort of that. Um, relationship between co-founders there so thank you um, I think you know my next question um, is going to be based around sort of MVPs and by the sounds of it it sounds like you guys really sort of went through a bunch of different changes with Cheerify and a variety of other ideas over the years so um, let's look specifically at Cheerify um, so when did you guys get your first version of an MVP out there to market so the first version of the MVP was um, uh, working within three months or four months of, uh, so like April 2015. That was mm-hmm. like the very, very first uh, Android and, app, uh, and Apple uh, apps uh, that were doing the very basic things that we wanted Cheerify to do, which is detect uh, guests' arrivals into a venue using Wi-Fi as a, as a, as a beacon. And... Um, and from there, it started evolving. We did that with a very small part-time team that were, and I even work with us full-time at, at, at the moment. Uh, everybody working nights and uh, part-time to make it happen. And mm-hmm. that enabled us to get like the first uh, few customers. Uh, some of them uh, still with us. <laughs> uh, you know, Incredible. Uh, yes. Uh, and, um, but that allowed us to get the product there, you know, realize, okay, it has a lot of things to improve. First of all, you know, we learned all, all the obvious bugs that were in there, but also most importantly, we learned, okay, uh, you know, with time, there were uh, key um, approaches in the way we expected that people would use, the businesses would use our product because it's a B2B product in the end, uh, that uh, were not exactly happening as we expected. Uh, so. So we, we had to learn on the job, work with those businesses to understand how we could help them and refurbish the product, uh, enhance the product, add functionality to the product to uh, help those businesses forward. Yeah, cool. Um, so I guess, you know, you guys have, have gone through a few probably like evolutions since that first MVP. Um, so looking at the, the current version of the the product that you guys offer over at Cheerify, um, what does the team look like um, that that was required to build that? So the team um, has stayed actually quite stable. Uh, mm-hmm. So there is a core development team. Um, uh, you know, there are two guys, Oli and Bannon, from 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 the very beginning with us. Uh, there were. Uh, couple of others also on the way, but uh, Olian Valen has stayed with us also from the very beginning, from those nights uh, with the first uh, MVP. Um, and 
so that core development team, technical team that would help us get this done, uh, they're still with us today as well. And, and they keep helping the product move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, through our journey though, of course, as you, as you probably have guessed, we, we had to engage different people. You know, there was a time when we thought mobile apps at the very beginning was an important part of, uh, of our product. Uh, later on, we realized they are not. <laughs> so, so we had to engage different resources to move from app to web and, and, and stuff like that. But the core team uh, is, is still with us right now. Yeah, incredible. That's really cool. Um, so I guess moving on then, um, talking a little bit about, or actually taking a step back, let's talk about investment. Um, so have you guys had investment up to this date or have you been purely bootstrapped? No, we've had investment and um, we've done um, uh, several rounds of uh, investment. Oh, cool. So we did one um, at the very beginning, a really a friends and family uh, type round um, mm-hmm. uh, with people from our network. Um, the next one happened as a combination of, uh, in 2016, a combination of CrowdCube uh, and uh, and Dexters. So one of the inflection points uh, that happened uh, for us was at the end of 2016 when we were uh, we went into a Dexters and Metro program. Metro Macro is the German retailer that do wholesale supermarkets, mm. very focused in the hospitality industry. And we did their Metro Dexters accelerator in Berlin. And that was another key inflection point, both from a fundraising perspective at the end of that year, uh, as well as uh, from a product and company perspective, because that was the point when we decided to forget about all other industries and go uh, narrow and deep on uh, hospitality, restaurants, coffee shops, pubs, bars, etc. Yeah, awesome. So I would actually like to jump in here and uh, talk about sure. the accelerator program a little bit. So um, at what what point did you guys decide and realize that uh, joining an accelerator is a good idea? So, you know what, we, one thing we can say about entrepreneur journeys is that uh, it's a learning journey. And at the very beginning, um, we thought, okay, you know, we've been around the block for, for a while, so maybe we don't really need uh, an accelerator. Uh, we, we, we don't really need to go into an accelerator program. You know, and in the first year, we didn't, we didn't even consider it. However, uh, then we realized, okay, look, uh, accelerators, as the name indicates, uh, the, you know, they, 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 they can help. And uh, we actually went, uh, had a couple of relationships with a couple of others before Texters, and we learned that it's crucial, you know, there, there are many accelerators out there, and it's crucial to be able to choose really the top, top ones that are the only ones that, in our experience, uh, have the ability to really impact your business in whichever way you need it, you know, whether it is in the product front or in the business development front or marketing front or investment, you know, different companies will have different needs. And for us, it was a problem of focus, interestingly, mm-hmm. so like a strategic problem, uh, we, we could say. Vision was okay, but the, the, uh, how, how to get it done, where to focus uh, and, and implement, that was probably what the accelerator helped us most. And um, yeah, and, and Texas there, they've been great uh, in, that, uh, in, in that journey, whereas 
as I said, other um, accelerator programs sometimes, uh, you know, they, they can be quite defocused and, and they, they, they didn't really uh, gave us uh, the value that we extracted from, from the text as well. Cool. That's super interesting. And um, so you guys did that in Berlin, right? Um, so how yeah. long was the whole engagement uh, from the beginning to when you basically said, okay, that's it? And so the accelerator itself was like three months. Um, and you, we were there part-time. Uh, there were companies from all around the world, from Canada to Australia, uh, including us, uh, from, from London and Madrid. But uh, so, so we were quite a global uh, set of companies and uh, we were there part-time. And, and then probably the most interesting bit came not just during the accelerator, but after the accelerator, when, when you get to start enjoying the Techstars network and uh, uh, meet other entrepreneurs from, uh, from, from the London chapter or from, from around the world, uh, different people in the, uh, in, the, in the network of Techstars that helped us in different aspects. Again, mm -hmm. uh, with this business development, where it is product, sometimes funding. Uh, so, so there was a lot of value that actually was delivered and still being delivered uh, years after uh, that accelerated time. Incredible. So it would be lovely to, to talk a little bit or jump into the, the realm of marketing a little bit here. So you mentioned like sure. business development and stuff being aided by you know, a variety of different channels, your network being one of them, which is incredible. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So marketing wise, what, what sort of tactics have you guys implemented um, to grow ChairFi from a marketing point of view over the past couple of years? So, um, as Cheerify, we've been fundamentally focused in medium and large uh, businesses, medium and large uh, groups of uh, restaurant chains. So that meant really that um, we had a, we've had a sales and relationship-driven approach uh, rather than a you know a, a marketing-led one, if if you if you wish. So so for us. Uh, because we are doing something that uh, is new in the market. You know, we are transforming the way uh, people engage, businesses engage with their consumers. Uh, first part of a job is to uh, show them the opportunity that uh, this brings and that you know, in, in a business that is typically not very technified, you know, the restaurant industry it's quite low tech in general. You know, they could see a lot of apps and stuff, but it's still, you know, there. It's a very uh, lean industry uh, with very tight margins. Technology plays uh, an increasing role, but uh, they, they have not been historically very uh, technified. Which meant that we had to sort of educate the market, share our ideas, uh, put out there how. Cheerify and our use cases, and the different ways we had to engage users to surprise them with um, a gift if they were regulars coming very often or um, ask them for feedback right after they leave or uh, uh, promote a product only to certain type of uh, customers when they walk into the venue. You know, all of those use cases put them um, uh, put them out there, uh, talk about them, talk about how they can impact the business of a restaurant and have a thought leadership uh, type approach, a, a thought-led approach, 
in, in, in a way we engage with our uh, restaurant customers. Okay, cool. And um, so if you guys are, I guess you guys are taking this more sort of sales focused uh, direction towards the new business generation for Chairify, um, mm-hmm. you know, does uh, much like of branding and, and visual identity come into this or creative content do, do, are these tools that you guys utilize at this point under that sales uh, sort of direction yeah I, I would say i would say that the key word word for us is storytelling not so much or or not just yeah. uh, you know to uh, in the in 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 selling or 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 developing business for Cheerify, but uh, in helping our own customers in selling themselves uh, to their consumers. So we are a digital marketing company uh, at, the, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, storytelling, which means, uh, yes, creating content uh, that is uh, meant to be distributed in real time in different contexts. Uh, and therefore, it has to be designed for a different context, uh, whether you are receiving it when you're in the venue, when you are outside the venue, um, right after you left or three months later uh, in different languages. Um, so there, there, is a, there is a huge element there uh, that uh, we have to help our customers with uh, to be able to create that uh, content. Um, we don't go too much into visual content, if, uh, if, if we had that in mind as well. It's definitely a part of it, but that typically is a part of what our customers that have typically well-established brands uh, will, will uh, essentially look after. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, so, you know, look, taking a step back then and looking at Cheerify, um as a whole, you know, where are you guys moving next? And, and what does sort of the roadmap look like for you guys? moving forward? So as I mentioned before, we had a, an inflection point in 2016 with tech, with Texters, uh, mm-hmm. which set us on, uh, on, on the track of working uh, with the restaurant industry. The other inflection point uh, has been uh, COVID, COVID-19 <laughs> this year, uh, which uh, essentially has uh, been, has actually turned into an opportunity for us uh, after a short period of, uh, oh God, what's going on here? Uh, and and what happened is that we grew as a result of, of uh, this crisis this year from being a CRM and loyalty platform, so helping restaurants identify customers, profile them, and engage with them, to adding a, another key module uh, in our offering, uh, which is online ordering uh, for restaurants. Uh, because we thought, okay, you know, uh, after everything that, that, that happened is fundamental that we help our customers sell more. And that can yeah. only happen digitally these days and it's going to be even more so as time goes by. And therefore, uh, Cheerify Shop, uh, the latest uh, module of Cheerify was born uh, as a child of, uh, of, of coronavirus, uh, uh, sort of say, uh, in, in May this year. And we are already working in many venues around the UK and Spain, uh, venues like, for example, Black Sheep Coffee that I'm sure you guys know well. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, uh, that has been our latest uh, development into it. Really position us as something that uh, we always uh, seen coming as the uh, front of house, the customer engagement platform uh, for a restaurant where uh, they can, using Cheerify, uh, engage with their consumers, 
for orders, for bookings, for feedback, to try for uh, loyalty programs, for promotions, and of course, for communications. So that all of that uh, front of house customer engagement uh, problem can be resolved from one single platform. Yeah, incredible. And moving forward from here, uh, there is of course a lot of work uh, out there of um, further working on 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 this vision and and perfecting it. You know, there so adding functionality to uh, our online uh, experience, adding functionality to our uh, digital loyalty cards have become more sophisticated. Uh, adding uh, further analytics to our uh, feedback capabilities. Uh, there, there is a lot of things that can be done, uh, always with, with a mind of, of what I said at the very beginning, bringing that online experience of personalization and context uh, to, to, to restaurants. Yeah, incredible. Um, so, it, you know, before we move to sort of wrap up the, the podcast, then it's uh, always really interesting to dive into your journey slightly more specifically over the past, I guess, five years in this case. Um, you know, it would be it would be really cool if you could sort of try and distill some of the, the nuggets of information for the audience listening. Maybe there are some things that, you know, entrepreneurs starting out or, or people who are already building this tech startup should look out for. Um, or maybe, you know, be, just be aware of, uh, what do you, yeah. What do you think? So I think one that we touched on, uh, is, uh, choose your founders carefully. I think, mm. uh, you definitely want co-founders. You don't want to do this alone. Um, it's a typically a long road and a, a complicated road. So, so you want to share it with somebody, but that somebody needs to be, uh, not somebody that you just meet one day uh, and you suddenly decide that it's a good idea to do a business together. Somebody that you share uh, principles, trust, mm. uh, and a number of things. I think that's a key learning number one, and I've been quite lacking that space, as, as I mentioned. Yeah. Second, I think, um, is focus. One mistake we've made in the first two years especially and we continue to make actually as as we try to grow the product sometimes um is uh trying to go too wide it could be too wide in terms of what the product does uh, too wide in terms of who you want to sell it to uh, there, there, there could be different definitions of lack of focus but focusing on a very narrow problem or very narrow set of customers and growing things from there really proved successful for us. It made it very difficult for us to, to progress at the, at the very beginning. And we learned that uh, by essentially focusing, in our case, in, in the restaurant industry and leaving all the others uh, outside of the scope uh, was qu quite crucial for us to be able to uh, evolve. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and as uh, one of the Texas founders actually shared with us, you know, some, some people sometimes have Travel, we, we, we had trouble uh, marrying vision and focus. It looks like you want to go big, but if you focus, you're sort of going small. And, uh, and one thing doesn't have to compromise the other. We learned that you can start small and uh, gradually open up your, uh, your, your focus as you have more resources and as you learn more mm -hmm. and, uh, and basically work towards that vision where you 
ultimately they conquer the world. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the entrepreneur, yeah, yeah. entrepreneur dream, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I'm going to put a a a third out there. I think is stay dramatically close to your customers. Sometimes, especially if you come like myself from a commercial background uh, and you're sales driven, you you fall very quickly into the temptation of uh, jumping into big deals as soon as possible, looking for big deals as soon as possible, looking to work with very large companies. Well, uh, we found, especially, you know, sometimes there is no other choice by working with large companies and you know, like fintech type uh, businesses, but you know, very often uh, we find that you want to search for those customers that are happy to work with you, to suffer your imperfections, learn with you, uh, and um, give you feedback, uh, and, and those customers uh, will make you stronger, and, and, and you will grow with them. And I, I think resisting that temptation to go big very quickly and uh, stay very close to the customers so you can learn with them, and especially work with those that are, are, are happy to experiment and explore as you're building new things. That's another thing that has proved uh, fundamental. There are three or four customers in our history that always uh, helped us make step changes in, in the way uh, our product looked and in the way our product works. So a massive thank you to Cheerify for speaking to us. You can find them online at cheerify.com. You're listening to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal by Blue Drop Studio, a digital marketing and creative content agency based in London, UK. We're on a mission to grow the tech brands of tomorrow with creative content and social media advertising. Check us out on LinkedIn and bluedropstudio.com or hit us up on social at heybluedrop on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Your hosts are at Anna Rowinska and at Omar K. Juman. If you want to talk about digital marketing for your brand, drop us a line at hello at bluedropstudio.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.